I hope you're enjoying hearing all these inspiring stories of people seeking the happily ever after. You're probably starting to realize that it involves a lot of risk, a lot of hard work and grit and sacrifice, a lot of times a little luck. But even that's not always enough. Sometimes you need a good lie. <laughs> that's what I relied on to get where I was going. You'll have to decide if that was appropriate or not, being a longtime educator like I was. But I have to tell you, there is a certain reality that when it comes to true love, is it really true love if you're not willing to lie to get there? <laughs> it started back in 1972 when I was heading off to Idaho State University, and they had this thing called a freshman get acquainted dance. Well, one of my dorm buddies took me along there because I'm kind of a shy fella, and he was not. And we walked in, and as you can imagine, there's all these beautiful young girls standing across the dance floor, and all these guys were kind of with their fingers up their nose wondering what to do. Well, my buddy, he just walked right straight across that room and started talking to girls. Well, I spied this one girl in the group that we were talking to, and she was blonde with the California tan and these eyes that you could just get lost in. Yeah, it was love at first sight, at least for me anyway. She seemed a lot more interested in my buddy. <laughs> but we chatted him up all night, and we danced, and we all went out for pizza in this big group. And I woke up the next morning and said, I'm asking that girl out on a date. I picked up the phone, and I knew she lived in Turner, Turner House Dormitory, and I dialed Turner House Dormitory, and then I realized I didn't know her name. <laughs> so I fumbled around through my cluttered young memory, and, and I knew it was an M word, like Melody or Marilyn or Melinda. And, That's it, Melinda, and she had this strange last name, like Melinda Yardland. And so I just reached out through the phone, and I said, Melinda Yardland's room, please. And they hesitated a moment, and you could hear them shuffling papers going through their list. And we don't have that girl here. I'm sorry. And uh, no matter how charming I was, they wouldn't go through the whole list of girls for me to see if I could identify the name. But not to be undone, I decided to go up to the dormitory and just hang out shooting pool in the lobby. Because this was, this was southern Idaho, which is northern Utah in the 70s, and there was no going up in the girls' dormitory for a guy. So I just hung up there, hung out there shooting pool till sure enough she came down the elevator, and I went over and with my most charming, suave manner said, hey, you want to go on a date? <laughs> for some reason, she said yes. And I was going on a date with a California girl. And the Beach Boys told us all how cool that was. <laughs> so anyway, that night, I showed up at the dormitory, still not knowing this girl's name. <laughs> and so I parked myself in the lobby, gambling that I had been so charming earlier in the day that she would be waiting in the lobby for me to show up. Well, no. So I spent 30 minutes sitting there twiddling my thumbs, getting more and more embarrassed as all the other couples were going out on their dates. Finally, I gave up and left with my tail between my legs and went off to the university movie theater where we were going to go on our date and watch the movie and felt sorry for myself. But it was kind of like one of those foolish romantic comedies because I walked out of the movie and there's she in the movie lobby because she had done the same thing I did. And she looked at me and I looked at her and she walked up and she said, you stood me up. 
I paused, which I rarely do, <laughs> and I said, yep, <laughs> doing my best Gary Cooper. Some of you may need to Google that. Um, and I said, then I said, you want to get some ice cream? And again, she said yes. So we spent the rest of the evening walking around the camp campus eating ice cream, having just a wonderful time. And I walked her back up to her dormitory, and it was one of those big, tall dormitories, especially for southern Idaho. It was like seven stories. And I said, my goodness, where is your room? She says, I'm in 612. And a little light went off in my head. So I ran back to my dorm as fast as I could go, and I dialed the phone. And I asked for room 612, and she picked it up, and she said, hello, this is Madeline. And I went, oh, gosh, did I tell you what a lovely name that was? But she was smarter than your average bear, and she said, you didn't know my name, did you? <laughs> you asked me out on a date, and you didn't know my name? I said, yep. <laughs> well, one thing led to another, and we started seeing more of each other, and I think it was going really well. And a matter of fact, I thought we were uh, going steady. That's what we called it then. Till one day she came in and met me at lunch, and she said, I have to tell you something. Now, you know that's not going to be good news, because nobody ever says, I have to tell you something, and then tells you you won the lottery. She said, uh, I'm not really ready to be with just one guy. She says, as a matter of fact, I didn't come to college to date. I came here to ski. I chose this school because Sun Valley's out west, and Targhee's out east, and Utah's down south, and they've got a ski area right outside of town here. She said, oh. You do ski, don't you? Well, at a time like this, you can think too much. I said, of course I ski. I'm from Alaska. We do all that snow stuff. And in my defense, there was that two weeks in seventh grade when we put on cross-country skis and went around the soccer field. And there were those times we went up to Arctic Valley in high school and rented skis and tried to see how far we could go downhill before we crashed. But I was talking to the daughter of a ski instructor. This is a girl who talks serious skiing, like you own your own skis and you know how to do it. <laughs> so I decided, well, there is a solution because, because this was a ski school, they actually had a PE class in skiing second semester. I got this locked, I'll take the skiing class, I'll be shushing down the slopes, no problem. Except Mother Nature turned on me like a jilted lover and sent an early winter. Yeah, it was long before Christmas and there was snow on the mountains and people were waxing their skis. And pretty soon, I was committed, I had to go skiing. So I put on my dual fold long johns and I scotch guarded my Levi's so they'd be semi-waterproof. I put on my Pendleton button-down shirt and my beat-up old down coat, and I met her at the shuttle bus. There she was, nice, tight ski pants, a beautiful ski sweater with a turtleneck that said Squaw Valley. She had sunglasses that matched her sweater. She was like, like the cover of Ski Magazine. I was like, Mother Earth News? Again, I could have turned and walked away, but I wasn't going to quit. And soon, we were on the chairlift, riding up the mountain. 
this Madeline was talking energetically about what a great day it was going to be skiing that nice Idaho powder. And I was looking at the poles that carried the chairlift up the mountain. And up at the end was a little wooden house. And the chairlift full of skiers would go around that house and then they'd come back empty. <laughs> we were about, we were about two poles from the top and I turned to Madeline and I spoke my heart. I said, how do we get off this thing? And even though she was wearing sunglasses, I could see the fear and panic in her eyes. <laughs> I thought you knew how to ski, she said. You told me that. I said, yeah, I never said I knew how to ride a chairlift. <laughs> well, she recovered rather quickly, grabbed my arm and guided me off that chairlift without any broken limbs. And I spent two years falling down mountains following her. Until finally she surrendered and married me and she's still with me today. Thank you. <laughs>